Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Week four has rolled into the proverbial Sunbelt station. Last weekend, the Sunbelt earned their third Power 5 win of the season against Oklahoma State, while also securing the season series versus the rival American Athletic Conference with a 3-1 and weekend. It'll be an action-packed week four, and we can't wait to jump in and talk about it. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about our last episode. We continued our Sunbelt Athlete interview series by providing an under-the-helmet look at three-time Sunbelt Player of the Year, Coastal Carolina quarterback, Grayson McCall. If you missed our conversation with Grayson, you're going to want to take some time to go back and give it a listen. Today on episode 119 of the show, it's time for our week four preview presented by Lafayette Travel. We're excited to preview our game of the week between Marshall and Virginia Tech. Talk about Troy's tough test at home versus Western Kentucky. Break down Southern Miss's chances against Arkansas State. We'll dive into App State's cross-country matchup with Wyoming and discuss JMU's chances in Utah. Plus, Caden and I will make our picks for all the remaining matchups this weekend. Caden, we've had a Power 5 win in each of the season's first three weeks. The league has another opportunity this week against Virginia Tech. Plus, it's a loaded slate of games. Caden, what are you keeping your eye on as we head into Week 4? Yeah, obviously, Noah, the potential of a Power 5 upset happening yet again is always not an upset this time on paper, but just that being an opportunity for the Sunball to, again, get that national attention and recognition they deserve is always going to headline and be an exciting thing. But I think really just looking at these teams as their finished product at the week four mark as they head into their conference schedule. I think at this point, we've seen these teams play a lot, and I think this is going to be kind of the last first impression of these teams before we get into Sunbelt play and really see what they're about, how they match up with each other. So I'm just excited to see kind of the last impression, how these teams play start to finish for games. A lot of teams have played a couple good quarters, a couple good halves of football. Who can put it together and really build that momentum for the most important time of the year coming up in conference play? Well, as promised, we'll be previewing the top matchups for week four in the Sun Belt. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's show. Like we promised, we're previewing the top matchups in the Sun Belt for week four. Caden, let's go ahead and jump right into our game of the week. It features Marshall versus Virginia Tech. This game will be at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on ESPN2 on Saturday. It is the first matchup in Huntington between these two teams since 2013. Just the fourth all-time matchup in Huntington. Virginia Tech currently holds an 11-2 advantage in the all-time series. Caden, this game set to take place in front of a sold-out Jones C. Edwards Stadium. Marshall's won seven consecutive games heading into this one. One of the longer winning streaks in the nation currently. Caden, Marshall 2-0 this season, but it hasn't been without its bumps and bruises. They've scored just 10 first-half points in their first two games, all coming in that second quarter versus East Carolina. Caden, they're coming off a bye week. You're playing a better opponent than your previous two weeks. I feel like they need a fast start in this game, right? They have to. I mean, this is for a team that's in the position they are, especially from an offensive standpoint. You love to have a bye week and kind of just have a reset. You mentioned some of the first-half struggles of this team, and they've just been horrendous zero points in the first half against Albany and 10 like you mentioned against ECU and those were all in the second quarter so I think that's just not good it's an area you need to improve and you just have to see if they can get off to a hotter start in a big game like this this team has 42 second half points 28 of those are Rasheen Ali touchdowns for those so I think it clearly showed that their play style and playing towards the end of the games being able to wear teams down with their run game is what they've been good at and what they've been able to do but you would still like to see a team get off to a better start but they teams when they play Marshall 
they know they're going to run the ball. They're loading the box up early and they're anticipating that run and they're anticipating it correctly. They're limiting explosive plays in the run. And as a result, they're able to keep these games close throughout. And I think when you play a team that's a little bit more talented, like they're going to this weekend, some of that could go wrong. It went well and it went fine in these games. You don't like to see these close matchups for a team like Marshall who has these championship aspirations, but when they pull away late, it's kind of, you can't really be mad about it. But I think coming off the bye, I think the question is, do we see maybe a better offensive start? Do we see more creativity? Maybe take advantage of some of those loaded boxes, take some shots down the field, or do we see kind of them lean into what they're good at and continue to do what they're doing? I think that's the biggest question coming into this game is what this Marshall offense looks like to start off. Cause I think we have a pretty good idea of how they finish, but if they start off slow, like they have been, I think this Virginia tech team is a lot more dangerous than some of the teams they've played in the past. Okay. And I think it's an interesting point you're making and to further it, it feels like this game really comes down to, you know, Cam Pancher. He has not done much to this point this year, Caden. He's not losing this team football games, just one interception this year, but you know, honestly, what he provides has been a bit uninspiring. Just 446 yards, one touchdown, 2.3 yards per carry on the ground. Caden, coming off of this bye week, they've had more time to maybe install more of this offense. What do you need to see from Cam in this game? Yeah, I think it's just an interesting combination of just some growth and then what they're going to put on his plate as far as being the guy under center for this team. We've always been supportive of Cam on this podcast and just him in this offense because of his mobility, with his age, just kind of his ceiling going forward in the future with this program. I think it all makes sense to have him be the starter from when he was named last year on. He's a winner. He only lost one game as a starter versus Coastal. That includes a win over James Madison. There was no Tatsente on that matchup, but still an impressive resume as far as wins and losses go. And I think late in the season last year, we saw him get more and more comfortable. We saw, saw shades of him stepping up from a game manager to more of an elevator. He had two touchdowns in his last Four games. He had one on the ground as well. But to start off this year, he's kind of reverted back to his old ways and what he first looked like when he was handed the keys to this offense. He was very efficient against Albany, which you'd, you'd like to see, you'd hope to see that. But then he had one touchdown and one interception last week. And that interception was, or at Albany rather, had one touchdown and had one interception. And it was a bad one. It was into double coverage. It was not a good throw. And the scariest part is he's not getting pressured. He hasn't been sacked all year. So he has time back there to operate and do what he wants to do. But I think it's just a matter of are they going to be able to rely on this guy to elevate them? He hasn't shown too much improvement from the offseason. Do they ask him to do more in this offense coming off of a bye? I think coming off the bye, you have to have one of the more solid game plans you've had all year. So I imagine they're going to be more specific in particular about the shots they take and what they're willing to do. I think it's clear he has a chemistry with his tight end, Cade Conley. I would just love to see him open up this offense a little bit more. I think the question is, can he do that? Can he show improvement? And will they let him do that in this offense, seeing that they kind of have their winning formula? And even if it's not pretty, they're okay with getting those wins. Yeah, I think that's the interesting concept, Caden. We've obviously seen them develop an identity early on in this season. And the question is, you know, do they take the handcuffs off Camp Bancher and allow him to maybe do a little bit more? I'm not sure I would at this point with how good the offense has looked uh, flowing through Rasheen Ali. The other point, too, just to that, Caden, Camp Bancher, since that Coastal Carolina loss, has not lost a football game. So certainly he keeps his team in games. Caden, Virginia Tech boasts the second worst offense in the ACC so far this year. This Marshall team averaging 10 TFLs, five sacks per game through two games so far this year. Nine different guys have at least a half a sack in the first two games. One could very easily make this argument, Caden, that through two games, Marshall has had the league's best defense. If they stay this dominant, it definitely makes things a lot easier on Saturday. Most definitely. That's what's been carrying this team. There's no denying that this defense has been lights out. I think just the way they've looked, the way they've 
the way they've looked is very representative of the opponents they face. When you face teams that aren't as good as you, that's how you're supposed to look. And I think this unit plays as hard and as disciplined as anyone in the conference. So I think there's a ton of exciting action and a ton of exciting stuff to see from this defense that we've seen this year. And I think one of the more impressive and one of the more inspiring parts, I think, of the defense and the success we've seen is that their best players are playing well. I mean, Owen Porter looks like a man on a mission this year. He's second on this team in tackles, which is crazy for his position. And it's clear that he wants a championship. We talked to him at media days. It's clear he's a man on a mission this year. But leading the team in tackles is J.J. Roberts. He's the veteran from Wake Forest, the safety who's been playing well. Also, Micah Abraham has been playing fantastic. He has. He was supposed to have an exciting matchup with Ali Jennings, who we're familiar with with ODU, but he's unfortunately hurt this game. I thought this was going to be an Ali Jennings redemption game because that Marshall game was actually his last game for Old Dominion. But there's still a ton of talent out wide for Virginia Tech, and I think that that's going to be the key matchup for this defense. I think out wide on the perimeter, how do you match up with talented Power Five receivers if you're a Micah Abraham of that level, of that caliber, and that supporting cast as well? But I think. There was, there's going to be another familiar face on the other side as well in this one. Marshall quarterback Grant Wells, or former quarterbacks under center for Virginia Tech. He hasn't really done much damage in the ACC. Historically, he played well against Old Dominion. But overall, this offense is pretty underwhelming. And when you have that defensive pedigree that Matt Marshall's been showing off this year, you have to imagine they'll play well and do well. It's just offensively their biggest test of the year as far as personnel goes. I think this is the first team who physically at every position can really match up with them. So I think the question is going to be, can they keep it up against some of these bigger, faster, stronger opponents? The discipline and everything is going to be there, but it's a matter of can Marshall tap into what they tapped into when they played a Notre Dame last year and really rise to the occasion and play like the defense they truly can be. Yeah, Kane, it will be interesting. I'm hearing reports that Grant Wells might end up missing this game. Uh, he's been a little bit banged up this week, and there's been talk that the backup's going to go. Uh, Virginia Tech has not made an announcement, though. Kane, one quick question here before we move into our picks. Micah Abraham, three consecutive games with an interception dating back to the bowl game last year. Does he make it a fourth? If Grant Wells is playing, I think he does because Grant Wells likes to throw it around. He's not too shy, but I think if he's not playing, maybe there's a little bit more risk and a quarterback who's maybe a little bit more on a hotter seat might avoid Micah Abraham at all costs. But I think if Grant Wells is in there, he might throw up some 50-50 balls. He might give him a chance. And we love watching Micah play here. We love his interception. So hopefully he gets it done. Yeah, we will uh, certainly see there. Caden, uh, line for this game, Marshall, a five-point favorite with an over-under at 41. How are you feeling about this matchup? I think Marshall wins, but I don't think they cover in this one. This team needs to wake up a little bit on offense, like we've mentioned, coming off of this bye. I think they've lacked some, lacked some explosiveness, especially to start off to games like we mentioned. And I think that ground and pound tack and that defensive style kind of just keeps this one close throughout. I think the size and the power and the personnel of Virginia Tech as well is going to keep them in this one the whole time. So I think the under in this one's really, really low at 41 points. I think Marshall still keeps it low. I want to take the over just because it's you never see 41 points in college football, but I think it is going to be that low scoring of a game and that much of a dogfight. And I think this one resembles a lot of Marshall's past game. So I think they win. I don't think they cover and I'm taking the under on the points. Well, Kane, like I said, Virginia Tech might be playing with their backup quarterback. Uh, this Virginia Tech Hokies team giving up 25 points per game uh, so far this year. They're 1-2 and two against three teams that I legitimately think Marshall uh, would have a chance to beat. I've got Marshall winning this game, covering the spread. I think they'll win by at least a touchdown. Kaden, uh, much like you, I was looking at this 41, and I was kind of tempted. I felt like that was right on the line. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take the over in this game. I think that uh, both of these teams will put up enough points to go over in this contest. So give me Marshall uh, to win by a touchdown and taking the over in this matchup. Caden, let's move on to Troy Western Kentucky. Another game at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. This one 
on ESPNU. The Sun Belt was some prime billing early on on Saturday. Games at noon on both ESPNU and ESPN2. Kane, this game is a rematch of last year's thrilling 34-27 win over Western Kentucky in Bowling Green. Troy enters with a 10-2 advantage in the all-time series, although they're 4-1 all-time in Troy, Alabama. Caden, looking at this game, you've got to start with talking about the quarterback matchup in this one. Gunnar Watson's numbers are up across the board this year. He's on pace for career highs in passing touchdowns and yards, although his completion percentage is a bit down so far this year. He, though, is coming off of a 333-yard two-touchdown game versus JMU. Meanwhile, Caden, on the other side, we've mentioned his name plenty on this podcast. Austin Reed is one of the top group of five quarterbacks. He has three straight 200-plus yard passing games to begin the year. He's responsible for nine total touchdowns. Caden, how are you expecting this quarterback matchup to play out in this matchup? Yeah, you'd imagine a bounce back game from both of these quarterbacks just given last week. I think Austin Reed, he just faced a superb looking Ohio State defense that's getting the national attention they deserve right now. And I think he's going to see another one in this matchup with the Troy team that he's familiar with from last season. This was a great matchup last year in Austin Reed. Played well, but not to that winning level enough to elevate them. And I think that's where the defense comes in line here. But he's the gunslinger of this, these two. He's coming off of a game like he did last week. I expect him to show up with a lot of confidence, throwing the ball well, and really dictate the pace in this one. He's the one who led the nation in passing yards last year. He's the one who has 50-plus pass attempts in his last four out of six games. So I think he's going to be the quarterback dictating the pace of this game, just given the style of this offense and giving given what he's given as far as being able to operate in this offense and have the keys to the car and truly be able to put him in any gear he wants to. But I think I expect a ton out of Gunnar Watson as well to bounce back. He played against a tough defense last week. And I think if he plays the same way he did last week against this defense, we're going to see more points on the board. This is a JMU team that was very, very stingy when it comes to getting into the end zone. But as far as making all the throws you want your quarterback to make, you mentioned this guy for three through for 300 plus yards and two touchdowns. He did everything he could. He was putting the ball in small windows. He was getting it on the sideline. He was really putting trust in his receivers as well and letting those guys make some plays. So I think for him, if he plays the same exact way as he did last year, I think despite obviously the Kansas State game didn't go their way, this game didn't go their way last week, but he has shown improvement. I think he does look better from last season. I think if he gets more help from that run game, he's going to do his thing. But Gunnar just needs to play the, play his game and he's going to have to outscore this quarterback, which is a a tall task that's asked for anyone who plays Western Kentucky. But I think that happens a lot more easily if he gets help from that run game in his defense. Yeah, Caden, I think that's a great point. And, you know, one of the biggest things in my mind is Troy needs to continue to, you know, try to find balance between that run game and the passing game. Last week, that run game was, or run game rather, was, was really shut down by JMU. Uh, They need to get back on track. Kamani Vidal coming off of a Season low, 27 yards on 11 carries versus JMU. Troy, when you count in sacks and losses, negative 12 yards on 19 rushing attempts against what is the nation's number one rushing defense right now. Caden, Western Kentucky, a different story on defense. They've given up 155-plus yards on the ground in three games. They gave up 204 yards and three touchdowns last week to Ohio State. They're giving up 244 yards per game on the ground this year right now. Caden, does Troy have a chance for a big day running the football against Western Kentucky? Yeah, they have a chance for it, and they need it. I think this unit has had its had struggles last season when they were one-dimensional in either area. If they couldn't get the pass game going or if they couldn't get the run game going, that's when you saw them have to kind of adapt on the fly, like Coach mentioned in the offseason, Coach Summerall, rather. And I think that 
it's just like last year they played in so many versions of the game they did last week where their offense was stagnant and they really had to rely on their defense and their kicking game really too as well with Brooks abuse and this season now we saw for the first time okay maybe they don't have that fourth quarter magic that they did before so they're really going to need to be more of a not just a one-dimensional offense not an offense that can just run the ball or just to throw the ball they definitely need that balance like you were mentioning before and they're going to have to be able to do it just to help each other so Gunner can help the receivers the receivers can help him and then Kamani can help them through his play so I think this is the perfect opportunity as you mentioned with what we've seen from Western Kentucky so far this year they have not stopped the run well at all Houston Christian ran for 150 yards against them which is not shabby at all that's four and a half yards a carry any any school any team's going to take that unless you're an Air Force or a team that runs the ball a ton you're going to take that in a heartbeat but Ohio State ran for 204 yards and USF ran for 374 on them so I think you have to take advantage of that if you're Kamani you have to do this offensive favor this offensive line as they come in, the, in this one with a little bit more of an attitude, I think. And I think they'll be able to get it done. But ultimately, I think this team, I think we sh- saw last week in the JMU game, they're going to have to rely on this offense a little bit more, which means they're going to have to rely on the run game to help out that pass game. Caden, in my opinion, the biggest difference in this matchup compared to the matchup a year ago is that both of these defenses have taken a bit of a step back this year. Western Kentucky's given up 13 points per game more than last year, maybe Possible symptoms of a tough schedule to begin the year. You mentioned South Florida. We saw what they did to Alabama over the weekend. Ohio State, obviously, one of the best teams in the country. Troy, on the other hand, they're giving up 12 points per game more. Maybe similar in terms of schedule makeup early on this year. It has not been easy sledding. Kaden, Troy proved last week that they can still be a great unit defensively against James Madison. It feels like in this matchup that whichever defense plays better is ultimately going to be the difference. Yeah, you have to agree with that, just given the firepower of Western Kentucky as well and their just ability to dictate the pace of games with that. I think a lot of what I did as far as looking at the research for both defenses in this game was looking at last year's matchup because I think there's so much similar personnel. And I think the huge part of this game is going to be touchdowns versus field goals and then also having to force some turnovers. I think that was the biggest difference last year. This Troy defense versus Western Kentucky will be a treat to watch just watching this offense versus this defense. I can't wait to watch Reddy Stewart line up across from Malachi Corley and things like that. But I think last year in this matchup, seven touchdowns were scored. I think touchdowns will be scored in this game. That's just the nature of the beast. When you play Western Kentucky, you're going to have to give up some and they're going to, you're going to have to make some of your own. So I think given the amount of touchdowns that were scored last year in this game, two teams had two field goals each in this one. And I think Troy in that, in both Troy and Western Kentucky, they both have new field goal kickers in this one. And I think you as a defense have to play your best ball between those 30 and 30 yard lines and those 40 yard lines. And I think it's going to turn into a chess match where these coaches are going to have to decide, do we trust our first year kicker to come in here and maybe give us a little leg up with the points or do we go for it on fourth down? I think that's going to be a huge part of this game. I think there's going to be some chess in this one. And I think overall, we saw last year as well, there's eight fourth down attempts for this team. Points just come at a premium when you're playing a team that scores and throws the ball a lot. So I think as a defense, you just have to play your best ball on third down fourth down and in your own territory. And of course, last year, as you remember, Troy forced two turnovers. They get the crucial strip sack at the end of the game to really close things out. So I think crucial turnovers on those down, I think the premium goes up even more. So both of these defenses, I think, are going to have to play their best ball in their own territory in this game. Maybe have some kick, some missed kicks, some big fourth down stops to get your team the ball back. And I think that's ultimately where it's going to be all decided on defense. Kaden, real quick before we get to our picks here, TJ Jackson expected to play a bigger role. He's listed as a co-starter on the depth chart. He was suspended the first two games, played sparingly against James Madison. If Troy gets him back at what we saw last year, how big of an impact is that going to have on this defense? 
I think it's a tremendous impact, especially looking at how Solomon and Jubiner played last week. I mean, you almost didn't notice that in the first couple weeks of the season that he wasn't there because his defensive line and this pass rush and their ability to stay in the backfield in the run game was evident in their first three weeks of the season. So if this guy is back in his prime form, his all-conference form, like we have been accustomed to seeing, I think it's going to be a big game for him. I think he can make a huge impact in this game specifically, just given how much this team throws and obviously for the entire season. Troy, a three and a half point favorite over under at 56 and a half right here. Kaden, both of these teams are coming off tough losses. It's tough to get a read on this matchup, pun intended. Last year, Austin Reed had a Superman performance in Western Kentucky, still lost. Kaden, I've got it as a different story this year. I'm taking Western Kentucky and what is going to be a close game. I think Austin Reed propels them past Troy. I'm going to take the over in this game. I feel like that was the easier side of this pick at 56 and a half. I think we might see a high-scoring affair between these two teams. Yeah, I'll start off with just agreeing with you on the over. I think we'll definitely see points in this game, especially given the new and improved Gunnar Watson. And I think the new and improved Gunnar Watson is why I'm taking Troy in this game at home. We remember last year, Jarrett Dagey had to come in and really make some things work for this team in the third and fourth quarter and operate and score some points for this offense. But I think this year, all the trust in the world is in Gunnar Watson. I think they're going to be able to run the ball in this game. I think this defense hasn't taken enough of a step back for me to think they can't stand toe-to-toe with this Western Kentucky team again. Western Kentucky, too, last year lost to Troy and then lost the next week against UTSA. I think they lose two early ones as well this year, just given their style of play. So I'm going to take Troy to win this one at home. I'm going to take them to cover. I think they win by a touchdown. I think this Western Kentucky team maybe isn't what it used to be. And I think this Troy team on offense is definitely more formidable. And I think they're more a little bit more built for a shootout than they were last season. Well, certainly going to be a great matchup. There's probably five plus guys in this matchup that will play in the NFL in the future. So certainly one to watch at Saturday at noon. Hey there, Sunbelt fans. Are you ready to score big with an unforgettable getaway to the heart of Louisiana's Cajun and Creole country? Look no further than Lafayette, Louisiana, your ultimate destination for football, fun, and fantastic memories. Immerse yourself in Lafayette's vibrant culture, savor the mouth-watering Cajun cuisine, and cheer on your favorite Sunbelt team. Visit Lafayette, Louisiana, where every day is a touchdown celebration. Head to LafayetteTravel.com slash Smith to start planning your ultimate Sunbelt football getaway. Okay, in the next matchup, we're going to take a look at it's our third matchup in this preview. Southern Miss versus Arkansas State. It's the only conference matchup of the weekend. 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on ESPN+. These two teams meeting for the 13th time. Southern Miss defeated Arkansas State 20-19 last year. Caden, you might remember that was the game where they had to come from 12 down in the fourth quarter to win. Uh, The last three in this series have been decided by five points or less. Caden, we've spent a lot of time on the struggles of this Southern Miss offense the last two weeks. Caveat being that, you know, they have played two pretty good defenses. Uh, The nasty bunch has been overlooked. 10 TFLs, five sacks in the last two games against FSU and Tulane. Caden, they aren't forcing as many turnovers this year. What do you want to see from this group against Arkansas State on Saturday? I really think they need to just keep doing what they're doing. This nasty bunch is still nasty. Do they look like that against Florida State? No, but nobody really will. But I think... They were solid against Tulane in that game. We mentioned that the offense is explosive, and I think versus an offense like that, you you need your 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 own offense to kind of hold their own and be able to score twenty one points in that game and just keep it close, keep it even, and pull out 
towards the end. I think they held Tulane scoreless in two quarters of that, and the offense had no response. That's just demoralizing. I think as a defensive player, when your offense can't get going and you're doing everything you can, you feel like you're on the field all the time. It gets frustrating. So I just salute the Southern Miss team, I think, specific on defense for kind of staying the course, keeping their heads level, and still be able to produce at a pretty high clip. We're hearing about this toughness of this schedule, and it's well warranted. But now this defense, which is the strength of this team, faces an offense that had three points before storing, playing Stony Brook last week. So they're still figuring out a lot on their side of the ball as far as offense for Arkansas State. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for Southern Miss to flex some of those muscles we've been hearing about in the offseason. They had two tough opponents. We'll give them a pass on that. They still played well in those games, not the Florida State game where they gave up a ton of points. But now this is their opportunity with playing an offense that has to figure some stuff out is the worst scoring offense in the league right now. I think it's time for them to step up and dominate. Jay Stanley's playing an amazing season, expect a big game out of here. And I think we talked a lot about that front seven of the set nasty bunch, but that secondary has really been impressing me this year. They've been doing some great things. They're holding teams pretty much tied to the top of the conference and pass defense as far as yards per game goes. But I would like to see them take a step up, maybe in adding that pressure. This is a team that led the conference in sacks last year. They only have five this year. So maybe a little bit of a step up up front, but across the board, this is a great team, a great unit. I expect them to dominate in this game, just given their past opponents and them to kind of back up and show it, show it off a little bit. Kanan, on the other side of this matchup for Arkansas State, a, you know, frankly, a different story early on this year. They've had a revolving door at quarterback. Uh, JT Shroud, Jackson Daly, Jalen Rayner have all received snaps this year. Rayner had a pretty nice game against Stony Brook, four of six, 78 yards through the air, a touchdown, also had nine carries for 57 yards on the ground. The fan base is kind of clamoring to maybe see Rayner start this game. Caden, we saw Jaquez Cross have a huge game running the football. Zach Wallace has played decently well through three games this year. With the question marks at quarterback right now for Arkansas State, do they need to lean into this run game a little bit more against Southern Miss? Arkansas State has one passing down, passing touchdown this season. So I'm going to say yes, they have to lean on that run a little bit. It's clearly not working for them in the past game. But I think in this one, you talked about that run heavy game against Stony Brook. Emphasis on the heavy. They had 46 carries for 345 yards in that one. But I don't think they're going to be able to do that against Southern Miss. They had 62 yards against Memphis. They had 46 yards against Ohio State. Like this is not going to cut it against the nasty bunch up front. And I think they're not going to be able to have 300 yards on the ground. I think I. We know that Memphis and Ohio State are both very solid defenses. They're very good. And it's a shame that JT Shroud didn't play in that last game against the new book because it was his first chance to go against a weaker opponent and show it if he's really got it or not. But the bottom line is all three of these guys haven't really been impressive or looked great this year. And I think their offensive line does a, a longest yard impression when Jackson Daly's in there. They have six sacks on the season. Five of them are Jackson Daly. It's like they're just letting him get sacked back there. So they just have to figure some stuff out overall in the passing game. But I don't think they're going to be able to rely on the run game like they did last week against a stronger opponent that they're going to play in this nasty bunch of defense. So I think if I was their coordinator at this point, just try to get Corey Rucker and Courtney Jackson the ball in space, set them up on one-on-one matchups. But this offense has a lot to figure out. I don't know where they're going to be able to figure it out, but I think as soon as they do anything effective in this game on the offensive side of the ball, they need to lean into that and really hope for the best, I think, as far as them going up against this very strong defense. Yeah, suffice to say, this Arkansas State offense uh, through three weeks has been a disappointment this year. Caden Southern misfavored by seven over under 48 and a half. How are you leaning in this game? I think this is a disrespectful line when you give him what Southern Miss has done this year. I think this is one, if I'm betting my real money, I'm hammering it because I think Southern Miss wins this one and they cover and I'm going to take the under on the points. I think they'll have 
take care of their bargain as far as scoring. They haven't shown a ton of explosive offense, but I do think they can get to that high 20s, low 30s mark in this game. And I just don't expect Arkansas State to be able to hold up their end of the bargain, given that there's a chance that multiple quarterbacks can play in this game. There's a chance that the run game is not going to be there for them. So I think Southern Miss runs and takes runs off and takes off with this one. And I highly recommend taking the over on this, or rather recommend taking Southern Miss to cover in this one. Caden, I do want to remind you that, uh, you know, the last three matchups have been decided by less than five points, but that's not going to matter in this one. Southern Miss has had a tough road to begin the year. I don't think we've fully seen who they are yet. I think we're going to see that in this game. Give me Southern Miss by at least two touchdowns. I've got Frank Gore breaking out, Billy Wiles playing his best game of the year. Caden, I am going to take the under because I just don't have a lot of faith right now in this Arkansas State offense. So, Southern Miss to win uh, by at least two touchdowns and taking the under against Arkansas State. Caden, fourth matchup, App State at Wyoming, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on CBS Sports Network. This matchup features two high-elevation teams. App State's Kid Brewer is at 3,333 feet. It's the highest stadium in the Eastern and Central time zone. Wyoming's War Memorial Stadium, number one in the country at 7,220 feet above sea level. Caden App won the only previous meeting between these two programs at the FBS level back in 2015. It was a wet, rainy day in Boone. They won 31 to 13. Caden, this is a tough place to play. Wyoming puts a nine-game home winning streak on the line in non-conference home games. We saw them beat Texas Tech in double overtime at home to open the season. They played Texas hard through three quarters this past weekend. How does this App State team prepare for tough road matchups like this? Well, first of all, Noah, you just unlocked a memory in my brain. Fun fact, Caden's first App State game visit was at the game in 2015 when App State played Wyoming. It was was raining. I was on the opposite sideline with my mother. It was horrible weather, but seeing the student section still be electric and Kid Brewer was awesome to see. Not the best game, not the the cleanest game of football, but still a fun one. But no, the key to them kind of traveling in this one, I think, is just going to be from the neck up. It's going to be maturity. It's going to be about leadership and just the consistency, I think. Last year, we saw this team really, really struggle on the road. Their last four road games of the season, they lost all of them. Their only win on the road last year was against Texas A&M. So I think this team has to answer this question early in the season. Can they win road games and prove they can do what they didn't do last year? I think it's a nice test before conference play. You mentioned this is a tough team to play. I think this is going to be a good gauge of where this team is at mentally more than physically. We saw Texas struggle early in the game with this team kind of messing around with them, not really fully invested from the neck up. So I'm just curious to see maybe the maturity and the leadership of this team kind of shine. I think in the North Carolina game, we saw that they travel with just about everything. We know that some teams, their defense travels, their run game travels everywhere a little. For this team, looked like everything, just about everything at least, versus a strong opponent traveled against UNC. The question is going to be, can they do that against this opponent? Can they not take them lightly? Can they take things seriously and be disciplined? I think as far as them delivering and being a good team in the road matchup, they don't have to thankfully work, worry about the elevation at all, but I think it's going to be about their attention to the detail, their focus internally, and their leadership, both player and coach. Yeah, Kane, this is a huge weekend for App State because if you come away with a victory here, you're sitting at 3-1. and one. You've got ULM uh, next week. You try to get to 4-1 and one there, perhaps. Then you've got your bye week before that big matchup coming up against Coastal Carolina. So if App State wins this football game, Caden, they're looking really good and perhaps become a, you know an instant title favorite in the Sunbelt East. Caden, this App State offense has been electric to begin the year, nearly 41 points per game. It's good for 17th at the FBS level in that category. 
Uh, we talked about the one-two punch of Aguilar and Noel on Monday's recap. Caden, the offensive line, I think, is going to be tested in this game against Wyoming's pass rush. They've had almost three sacks per game this year. Why is this offense for App State having so much success this year? Oh, man, where do you start? I think it starts with Nate Noel, honestly. I think we mentioned going into the UNC game and just in general this year, once I heard about the Amani Marshall and Anderson Castle injuries, I was worried if this running back room had enough strength and size to get through the season. And I think it's a lot of on, on Nate Noel's plate, who's obviously a smaller running back, but I think he's quietly having an amazing season. He's leading the conference in rushing yards right now. I think if he continues to play like this, he's looking like even better version of himself when he had that thousand yard receiving thousand yard season on the ground two years ago. So I think he right now is just the tip of the spear. He keeps moving the chains for this team and is playing some great ball. And then I think to perfectly compliment him in the passing game is Joey Aguilar, just dishing the ball to all of his weapons. I think you could argue right now, just looking at production and the different kinds of weapons, size, speed, athleticism. This App State team might have the best wide receiving and tight end core together as a whole in the conference right now. He's feeding everybody. We're seeing tight ends get in the end zone. We're seeing Deshaun Davis in the slot operate. Caden Robinson on the outside be able to operate. And he just has full confidence and command. And you mentioned this is defense is not a slouch. They return 10 starters. They get after the passer. And I think we were worried about against UNC after that nine sack game they had against South Carolina, what were they going to do against App State? And they kept Joey Aguilar clean in that one. So I think they already have that blueprint, that base idea to where if they need to get the ball of his hands quickly and effectively, they can do that. A lot of that was built in and probably baked in to that North Carolina game plan. I'm just curious to see if they can keep it going. They're looking like a great unit right now, a high-powered unit. So again, they're just going to go back to that maturity from the neck up. Do they come out? Do they take advantage? Do they take their shots? This team on the other side of the ball, their offense is really good at possessing the ball. They dominated the time of possession against Texas. So I think this offense is going to have to be opportunistic and probably strike fast. I'm just, wor- just curious if they're going to do that like we did last week and saw them kind of airing it out early, putting pressure on that defensive backfield and then wearing them out with Nate Noel on the inside. Yeah, definitely a fascinating matchup. A quick note to throw in there, Nate Noel, as you mentioned, leading the Sun Belt. He's actually leading the country in yards per game, over 140 yards per game so far this year. Caden, Wyoming, two-and-a-half-point favorite over-under, sitting at 44. Uh, I'll go first here, Caden. App State, for me, has consistently shown up over the last couple of years in road environments, even dating back uh, to your time and before. Caden, this offense has been electric this year. I think we're going to see more of that in this game. Give me App State to win this contest. I'm also going to take the over on the points at 44. Yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down, Noah. I think the op state offense is getting kind of underrated with this line we have here at 44 points. I think they'd take care of business on their side of the ball, and I'm taking the over on this one. You saw kind of the kind of the, some of the vulnerabilities that they had against Texas, this Wyoming defense in the fourth quarter with some on some of those deep shots and some of those explosive plays in the passing game. And I think App State's gonna be able to replicate that for sure. I think their defense has shown improvement every week and they're gonna be able to show off that they can stop the run in this game. But I think Overall, it comes down to kind of that mental side we've been talking about. I think this unit's kind of moving with a different swagger, a different confidence, and a different headspace than it was last year when we saw them kind of stub their toe early in the season. So I expect them to kind of take this game with a business mindset, try to create some good momentum going into conference play, and really try to play their best ball of non-conference play that we've seen this season. So I'm going to take them to win and, and cover. Sorry, didn't didn't mention that. Kaden, uh, last matchup we're going to take a look at in this one, James Madison at Utah State. This game, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central on the Mountain West Network. Have fun trying to find this football game on television. First meeting between the two programs, James Madison's first ever matchup against a team from the Mountain West Conference. Kaden, JMU right now, they have the 10th longest winning streak in the country at six games. 
We've got to start by talking about the JMU running game in this one, Caden, because I think it's going to play a huge role. Uh, we've talked about how much JMU is leaning into the run game, maybe you know trying to help out Jordan McLeod a little bit. Caden, they're averaging 177 yards per game. Kalon Black is leading the way with 76 yards per game. We've seen Tyson Lawton and Latrell Palmer play great in a supporting role. Caden, they're facing a Utah State team that gave up 344 yards and five touchdowns on the ground to Air Force last week. It seems like this JMU running game uh, might be due for another big game against Utah State. Yeah, I definitely think you they are. You mentioned Utah State's deficiencies in the running game. Obviously, when you play a team like Air Force Academy, they're going to run the ball a lot. It's going to be featured a lot, and they didn't rise to that occasion. And I think they're not going to be as tested as much as far as frequency in this game, but they are going to be tested as far as the efficiency and what this run game, with along with their offensive line play, is going to be capable of on the ground in this matchup. Love Kalen Black this season. His ability to get chunk yardage, I think, has been huge for this team. I think that was really the difference against Troy. He got stonewalled a couple times in the line of scrimmage like you're going to do against a Troy team, but he was able to pull off some explosive 10, 15, 20-yard runs that really kept the chains moving for this team. He's also a proven weapon out of the backfield, and I think that's extremely helpful for Jordan McLeod as well. And just you love it as an offense. You love to have a kind of running back that can be explosive in the passing game as well. And I think Tyson Lawton, this is the kind of guy that has stock that's been rising week after week after week. He has that body type and that play style where no one wants to tackle this guy. And he plays like he knows that. He understands that when he puts his head down, he runs downhill behind those pads. No one is trying to tackle him, especially in the fourth quarter. So I think that good one-two punch they have in the backfield is going to be effective. And I'm really excited just to see if we see a similar game plan that we saw against Troy. It's kind of similar how we were talking to Troy last week. I think they're playing great defenses that keep you out of the end zone. So it was good to see Jordan McLeod be a little bit more comfortable and fluid in this offense. And I think the run game helped him with that. And I think the run game can help him even more against this Utah State team who can't stop the run, I think, nearly as well as Troy did. So just excited to see hopefully a similar game plan we saw as last week. Lean on that run. Take your explosive shots when you can to some of those weapons and let Jordan McLeod get comfortable. Now, I'm just excited to watch this run game maybe take a step forward compared to what we saw against a Troy team last week. And kind of as a result, see McLeod take a step forward as well. Caden, all offseason long, we talked about JMU's defense and in particular the pieces that they had lost. We wanted to see what they would look like. And through the early part of this season, Caden, they're the number one run defense in the country. It's better than Georgia. It's better than Texas. Caden, uh, huge performance last week. 10 TFLs, six sacks versus Troy. Kamara, Chroma, and Green combining for five sacks in that matchup. Heading into this game, though, Caden, Jalen Walker, Torres Jones might not play. They're both dealing with injuries, Kurt Signetti being a little bit coy. They're listed as starters on the depth chart, but they were last week as well. Caden, when you look at this defense, what's the next step that you want to see them take? There's no steps, man. It's just it's maintaining your greatness. This is a great unit. They've proved that they can stop the run, like you mentioned, with anyone in the country. They're just kind of setting themselves up. And I know we're never going to truly know because we're not going to see them go up against the Michigans and the Georgias of the world and those big teams. But it's hard to deny that the numbers of this team and what they're able to do as far as stopping the run and how the rest of it kind of gets contagious with the rest of their defense. They put on a masterclass performance last week and on all three levels. And even on that second level, without those two-star linebackers we were talking about a ton, I might be an area of concern if they showed some deficiencies in that area last week against Troy, but they didn't. There was no fall-off in production. The next man up mentality is real with this team, which is given that defensive culture. And those guys rose to the occasion. You mentioned, and we spoke super highly of Kamara and Chroma and the 
seasons they're having. They've been wreaking havoc left and right on the interior, on the the outside of the defensive line, rather with Jason Carpenter on the interior, creating opportunities for them and just wreaking havoc. This team that they're playing in Utah State has already given up eight sacks this year, which is bad news for them just facing this defensive front that's monstrous, fast, athletic, and really can get the job done against anyone. We saw them doing it against a Virginia team that obviously has power five level type offensive linemen. So I think that's going to be a, a good matchup for them. They run Utah State runs the ball pretty well, but no one runs the ball well against JMU. So I'm excited to watch them kind of just keep that consistency. But man, I think for them, it's all about maintaining and continuing to put a stamp on their defense as far as every time you watch us on film, you know what you're going to see. You're going to see us stopping the run. You're going to see us be one of the most consistent units in the country. And as a result of that, we're going to see our linebackers have a ton of confidence and you're going to see our defensive backs have a ton of confidence. And overall, that's going to make us one of the best defenses in the country. So the question is against some new competition. Can they maintain that dominance and can they keep being who they've been all season for a lot and a majority and a ton of last season as well? Kanan, JMU six and a half point favorites in this game over under sitting at 51 and a half. How are you leaning? I'm imagining that JMU's defense is going to keep doing what they're doing. I'm imagining that JMU's offense is going to have a similar game plan to what they did last week. And I think as long as they do two of those things, I think them winning this game and covering is going to be a lock. Utah State hasn't really shown me anything this season impressive. They've played some different competition. They are one of those teams that's played good against bad teams and bad against good teams. So we really don't know what we're going to get. But JMU has just been so consistent, I think, in specific areas of their game, like we've talked about on this tour. I have to take them winning. I have to take them covering. And I'd imagine with this new kind of revamped offensive unit, they could possibly take the over on points here, take care of their stuff on their end of the bargain maybe utah state as a west coast team likes to throw the ball around a little bit maybe gets behind the defense once or twice so i'll take the over on points as well Kane, much like you said earlier on in this episode uh for that southern miss arkansas state game i think the line of six and a half years a bit disrespectful for jmu uh so i really do believe that this jmu team uh, can win this game by a couple of touchdowns i think they're going to be four and oh heading into that south alabama matchup next weekend And I am going to grab the under on this game. I think JMU does their end of the bargain. But against this defense, I'm not sure what Utah State provides. So give me JMU to win this contest. I'm going to take the under at 51 and a half. Okay, let's move on. We've got a couple of picks to make before we wrap up this episode. Georgia Southern at Ball State, 2 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Georgia Southern coming in a six and a half point favorite over under sitting at 59 and a half. And Caden, I don't know about you, but I think Georgia Southern's about to bounce back in a big way. I think particularly Davis Brin. I've got him throwing four touchdowns in this game and Georgia Southern getting back on track. I am going to take the under in this game at 59 and a half though. Yeah, it's hard to gauge this Ball State team. They're very similar to the last team we talked about to where they started off the season against two SEC opponents and then had a dominant game against a cupcake, but they weren't very good last year. I don't think they'll be very good this year, and I think this offense probably all week has been hammering, taking care of the ball, and having great ball security, so I expect them to do their same scoring deal and get back to their ways, and I think this defense, especially in the first half, looked very promising. I think they'll hopefully bring that into this game as well, so I'll take them winning and covering as well, and I'll take the over on points, and Per usual, I'm going to keep doing that as long as I'm talking about Georgia Southern probably until their defense can show me that they can stop the other team a little bit better. But I do think they look improved, and I think this will be a good game for them. South Alabama at Central Michigan, 5 p.m. Eastern. Caden, South Alabama, 15-point favorite over under at 49.5 coming off that Oklahoma State win. How do you feel about this matchup for the Jags? Yeah, South Alabama is looking like they're in prime form after last week, and they smashed this team by 14 points last week when they weren't in prime form and they didn't look like that. So I'm going to take them winning and 
in this one, LaDamian Webb is cooking. The defense is cooking. I just absolutely hate this line at 15 points for anyone listening. If you're thinking about actually betting this game, I would tell you to stay away. Two touchdowns for South Alabama doesn't do it. A touchdown and a field goal doesn't do it. Just a nasty Vegas zone. I would stay away from it, but I'll take the under in case it's something that would probably burn me. But I think they win this one. They have a good game. I'm going to take the under on the, on the, um, on the line, and I'm also going to take the under on the points, just given the the South Alabama defensive performance we saw last week against a formidable Pac-12 opponent, or Big 12 opponent, rather. Caden, South Alabama stays hot. They beat up on Central Michigan to set up a matchup with JMU next weekend. In my opinion, that game could easily be amongst the Game of the Year candidates in the conference if both teams are able to pick up wins this year heading into that matchup. I'm going to take the over at 49.5. I think that... This South Alabama offense for the first time looked like themselves last week dealing with some injuries, but I think Carter Bradley and LaDamian Webb are going to propel this team to a big win over Central Michigan. Texas State versus Nevada, Caden, 7 p.m. Eastern. Current line, Texas State, 17-point favorite, over-under at 58-and-a-half. I'll go first here quickly. This one, uh, in my opinion, could get ugly, and it could get ugly very quickly. Texas State wins. They're going to improve to 3-1, and one. and don't look now, Caden, they will be halfway to a bowl game four weeks into this year. 58 and a half is the over-under on this game. Caden, they scored 77 last week. They might get the total on their own. Give me the over in this game. Yeah, I'm going to keep this one simple. Nevada is not very good, and they struggle against high-powered offenses. That's not ideal when you're facing this Texas State team. I'm still in love with this Texas State defense, even though they played a little bit undisciplined last week in that game where they were up a ton of points. So I'm going to take the over as well, just maybe because they might have some of that similar shades what we saw last week. But yeah, I'm taking Texas State to win. I'm taking them to cover and one step closer to get into that bowl game, which is super exciting for the fans in San Marcos. Louisiana versus Buffalo, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Caden, Louisiana, eight and a half point favor over under at 58. How you lean here? I am buying into the Zeon Chris hype train, especially given that this Buffalo team hasn't won a game this season. And last game they lost against a Liberty team was against dual threat quarterback Caden Salter, who had an amazing game and an amazing name. So I'm going to take Louisiana to win this one and cover it. And I think I'm going to take the under on the points, though. I think now that we have some tape on Chris, maybe we're a little bit, can't catch all defenses a little bit as much off guard as we saw last week. So I'll take the under on the points, but I think UL does their thing. They win and they cover in this one behind Chris, the new quarterback of the future, potentially for Louisiana. Okay. And this is the first time all year. I actually think you're reading my notes on this one. Cause in my opinion, Zion Chris is the guy with Ben Wooldridge out. Uh, Buffalo does have film on him, but I don't think it's going to matter. The future Zion Chris has another big game and Louisiana heads into Minnesota at three and one hunting another Sunbelt power five upset. I'm also going to take the under in this game between Louisiana and Buffalo. Caden, final matchup of the weekend, Old Dominion versus Texas A&M Commerce at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Old Dominion looks to get back to 500 with a win over an FCS program. Well, that will do it for our week four preview presented by Lafayette Travel. Caden and I can't wait to kick back and enjoy another great weekend of Sunbelt football. Before you go, here's a quick reminder that we'll be back on Monday. We'll be dropping our week four weekend recap. We'll recap all of this weekend's biggest games and keep you up to date on all the most snow storylines from around the Sunbelt Conference. That'll do it for us here at the Prairie and Smith Podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please go leave us a five-star rating on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, or wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Leave us five stars. Let us know what we're doing good and what we could even be doing better. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.